This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Rum, do you hear something? Yeah, what is that? It's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's not that. Ooh, it's the best of the buzz with Bill. Is that right, eh? It's a good sign of things to come. Commentary on trending headlines with veteran AMI producer Bill Shackleton. Well, now. Billy! I say Shack! Yep, I'm back. The thing about cell phones has come up again. Mm -hmm. Schools clash with parents over ban on cell phone use. So this is in the U.S. The it's come up again where school boards are, well, some school boards are wanting the banning of cell phones. Now they are saying that it detracts from the child's learning if you know if they're, if they're using their cell phones i get that you have uh other parents that are saying but we you know because the child has been home during the pandemic for so long they sort of are a little bit reluctant to for the child to leave without sort of a um a connection to the parents so they want the cell phone um they want to be able to use, use the cell phones um, my point of view from this article is that the I think it's up to the parents to te- to tell the kids that I mean I don't first of all I don't think cell sh- phones should be banned at all. Um, <clears throat> I I think if they're used responsibly, um, I don't see what's wrong with them. But I think the parents have to tell the kids that you know whenever you use your cell phone you are uh, detracting from your learning, which you know, and and the the kids themselves have to realize that yeah, I don't want to use that cell phone in class. Um, that Ramya, if this is where I kind of I and I agree, like I I'm not of the vintage of that thing shouldn't be there. Can't you be without your phone? Right. Because of being disabled and so many uses and value it has for us. And I think we see it differently, whether you're traveling, you we've sat in meetings where you're like sort of surprised because you know people are whoo, sending messages or doing stuff as part of their work day and things that being asked a question that somebody needs an answer to so they can proceed with something. Whereas when cell phones, you know, like five, six years ago, it was not really acceptable to do that. Now it's understandable and part of your work tools. So um, and as as a disabled person, I wouldn't like it if someone was telling me no. I relate. I understand from the parents saying if something happens. And again, not to pick on you know the U.S. because trouble can happen at any school anywhere in the world. But we know that uh, you know if there's a scare and there's a lockdown, that could be that yep. that that message to mom that that call it has that, happened. It has happened, and it's we happened. well we we've heard about it with nine eleven. How many people were yep. on their phones getting hold of family members? And that was over 20 years ago, Bill. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why I say it's um. You need these phones, and it, but, what 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 but, happens? But the one thing I will, I, as you said about parents, parents can only say so much, can only do so much. I understand the yeah. teachers are the ones that have to enforce it, and we're not talking making phone calls, calling a friend, and yapping on the phone like you know. Or so. We're talking so many other things, whether it's the former Snapchat and all that stuff that was really busy and popular and people doing stuff or harassment of that. There are other weird things that are beyond, well, my understanding away and and knowledge of because they're ever changing every day. 
that people are using the phones for. And even in those brief little moments of doing one little thing, and you can do so many things with your phone in mere seconds, causing those distractions from you. I see the the reasons why the parents and even some teachers and definitely uh, students wanting to use cell phones as valid. Like I, you know, reading through this article, it's not just distractions. It's not just uh, kids wanting to scroll through TikTok or whatever it is that we, you know, that would take them away from their education. And uh, it is actual fear, right? And concern that people are having. If we don't have these devices, we lose contact with people. And, you know, I hate to compare it to this, but it's like losing touch with your, when you have to get up and go to work now, um, not seeing your pets that you have had seeing, like you're seeing them all day, every day and the separation anxiety that you have. And parents are having this with their kids, right? The separation anxiety of not being with your kids 24 seven when you were homeschooling them all through the pandemic, which has now been several years. And these concerns are honestly valid. And if that means educators have to adapt to uh, students having their cell phones around, like I'm not saying on and, and, you know, notifications, not silenced, but if that means educators have to adapt to having cell phones around all the time, then that's just what it is. I'm sure there's a lot of concern over, you know, are you allowed to keep it on your desk? Are you able to check notifications when they come in? Um, You know, should you, where do you draw the line at having cell phones around? But think of it like more comparable to work. Yes, I have my cell phone out all the time. Right. Like we're, we we have our cell phones, we have uh, access to emergency calls and messages and notifications. So to some degree, shouldn't we be granting that right to students? Like, I think a cell phone is more than just social media now. It is contact with your parents, with your caregivers, with whatever. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of the, the concern is that it's they're used for social media too much. And I think that's one of the concerns. Okay, the but that's are, one concern. You know? yeah, but there's so right. much more combating that now too. There's focus modes. There's do not disturb. There's, uh, you know, actual understanding of the flexibility of having a phone on you, right? Like th- there's got to be compromise on both ends. Well, even for school use, there's so much now that oh, teachers with, with the portals and, and communication that you have with the yeah. teacher no, that are being yeah. done that way. Here's another interesting issue. Um, but this article brought up some parents believe that um, that the that that the cell phone should be banned in order to keep the the the, the parents from in getting involved in their kids' right. education. I don't know how true that yeah. is. They're talking but, about it being like um, yeah. you know keeping them out and and discrimination yeah. of sorts. And I kind of I kind of understand that also because oh, it's true. The more you cut off communication during school the the more it starts feeling like boarding school right and it doesn't have to be it's just day school but without your cell phone without that real-time information allowed outside of school you you have less and less uh way to portray that to convey that and are we beyond concern of um cheating like I I I don't know what one could do if I don't that's, even know what cheating is anymore. Yeah, see that's me like, too. What do you I wouldn't even know cheating? how. Well, how how can one 
find you know put answers somewhere can yeah. is this a concern of teachers and i never hear that mentioned it's the other distractions as if yeah. no, we got yeah. the cheating covered don't worry about short that. attention spans and all that okay That's great it. we know that this is an an epidemic we're dealing with short attention spans too much distraction screen time everywhere right but they're banning phones i don't think is the um be all end all solution yeah and, and the I other issue is. i have too is unfortunately you're gonna have teachers and and assistants there that have the same addiction. You know, yeah, of course. They, and not just addiction, the same world. issues. Exactly. The same challenges. Whether it's on recess, whether it's between classes, picking up their phone to check for things, or and looking down and seeing a text in yeah. an emergency. Yeah. Leaving their loved ones at home and having to come to work, like all kinds of things. And cheating, by the way, is a conversation we had all through the pandemic when people were doing school from home. Yep. Uh, my brother says that they've basically everything they do is open book now. There's no such thing as closed book uh, exams or midterms or any of that because... There, there's no way people so can't what, track you. What you t- what you teach people, I guess, is the f- or how you judge them and base and grade them, is on finding the right answer. Yes, the resources, knowing yeah. that what you should be putting down, as opposed to just going from memory, like a memory test. Mm-hmm. So interesting, mm-hmm. or a, a quote knowledge. It's evaluating it differently. Yeah, and and again, you can show knowledge and knowing this is the right thing to utilize, and this is the way to articulate it in your answer. So I I, I can sort of see that totally. We're going to do the from cell phones to skateboarding. And I know there's been articles in the paper about skateboarding, but this is um, Tony Hawk uses skateboarding to teach community organization skills. So this guy won $125,000 um, in, in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? So he's decided to start the skateboard project. So what it does is while we all know the that's what the popularity of skateboarding is is becoming really big. I mean, certainly in the U.S., he is teaching kids that they have a say that it matters. They're you know, and skateboarding is bringing non-white people, people of color, uh, white people, to people of different nationalities together because everybody can do it. And he's teaching these kids also how to build a community, how to make a community safe, how do you include everybody, and all the skills that they need um, in later life to, you know, to to foster a good community. And skateboard is skateboarding is apparently doing it because it's bringing everyone together, and it's they're working together, and they can yeah. work together. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, you can with skateboards obviously get as fancy, as expensive or as inexpensive and building your own if you have some degree or finding someone that does. Mm -hmm. So I can see that whether it's the building of one, whether it's the buying, whether it's the skate park itself, the uniqueness, the what's happening around you. Human Library, Seniors Tell Stories to Debunk Discrimination. So just recently, a project was started in Toronto, and they call it the Human Library. And the reason why they do that is because seniors, um, well, first of all, they are the most discriminated against people 
um, in the world because of their age and because there's so many misconceptions. Yes. They can't do this. They can't do that. So the human library is an, a, a way that you and I and, and anybody can, can basically get together with a senior and they can just talk and, and bridge the gap um, between the senior citizen who's very, you know, a lot of, a lot of seniors are very experienced or very worldly and everybody, well, what do they know? They're over the hill or whatever. Um, and, and it, it basically tells us, you know, we can learn a lot from seniors and the young people that are taking part in these sessions, they're one-on-one. Um, it gives, you know, them a chance to learn what it's really like to be a senior the seniors are having, telling their experiences and maybe how they can, you know, when you get older, when they get older, how they can make life better for, for, for the next younger people that are coming up. Because of course, everybody's going to get to the point where, you know, you're yeah. going to, you're getting up there. So yeah, I think it's great. It's and funny how we forget to talk to people, right? Yeah, it, it, right. All of a That's... sudden they're too young. All of a sudden they're, oh, yeah. they're older. I don't know how to talk to them. All of a sudden you just, for whatever reason, the roadblocks that we put up that make us, well, I don't relate. I don't understand. You know, I'll speak for my own experience. My father uh, is 66 and aging and only a couple years ago, I'd say in the last five years, did I really start to understand things that he's gone through? And and he, we're immigrants, right? We've immigrated to Canada from Sri Lanka, and he's lived through wars. He's gone through all kinds of experiences that, A, I would never be able to completely understand. B, I didn't even realize or know until he shared his story. So you can only imagine how many people are out there. We just, we don't, like you said, Kelly, we don't talk to them. We have no clue. If it's not on social media, we probably will never run into it or realize the depth of conversation and understanding we could have of an entire population. Yeah. The other interesting thing that, that's happening with these human libraries is corporations apparently are starting to use them so that senior workers can can talk to the to young workers and oh, give them advice beautiful. on, you know, how to, you know, about working, what it's like to... to uh, work in a company, how you deal with some of the these problems or whatever, these issues that seniors have had to deal with. They, and just, just how much us. they've actually lived through. Yeah, like we live right. in such a technological era now, but most of these people, um, you know, over 60 have lived a majority of their lives without even internet, right? So the things that they've seen yeah. and heard and, and uh, experienced are just absolutely not anything we're familiar with now. And and the avenue of people management, dealing with problems, being told what how you deal with yep. being fired or yep. searching out a job or presentation when you have to talk to someone and you can't just, I'll just send my application in via right? email. I'd Before like to see the you. the privileges <gasps> of what? now. Yeah. yeah. And then different countries, right? Like geographically what people have learned through um, before they came here. People have all kinds of stories of... Uh, that that we just, again, don't know yeah. about. And we need to learn yeah. from. Blind Venezuelan boy converts World Cup stickers into album into Braille. Really interesting story from Reuters about a 12-year-old boy from Venezuela who is vision impaired and he 
this, he wanted to get more involved in the World Cup, which, by the way, starts next Sunday. So he has taken a sticker album, and of course, you buy stickers, and, and I get, like, or you trade them and you buy them. And he's brailled all the the labels on the stickers, so he knows what they are. So it could be the different players, it could be the flags from the different countries, it could be, um, you know, that sort of thing. So he knows. So he can mm-hmm. de- identify the stickers. Um, so him, him, he and his father and uh, his teacher have done this. And basically, he has also <clears throat> set up an, uh, an Instagram page where you can go and see how we, so his procedure, how we did this. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be watching the World Cup for, but I don't think I'm going to be as ambitious as he is. But when you look at the World Cup or anything like this, there's so much information that we don't get because the stamps and that aren't accessible. So you never know what they were. So, I mean, if you're really into this, I think it's a great idea. And there may be other vision impaired people, too, that are that might be interested in doing this. Wow. Really? Yeah. It's so nice because it's an adaptive way. Like, uh, I hope that not many of us are going collectible, collectible cards. Is that what he's customizing? Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying, you know, that it's a big deal. Uh, But anyways, it's really, really nice because it's interactive. It's a father-son thing that they're doing together that they can, you know, make a tradition or just hold on to for a really long time. And then, of course, the... The informative part of it. Now all of us are learning about this really nice way to make something accessible. And as I say, there may be other vision impaired people that that that, yeah, that, yeah. that want. I mean, as I say, not me, but who knows? I mean, um, I did download a video, and he used he's using a brailler. Of course, the video is in Spanish, um, but I heard okay. a brailler in the background, <laughs> so I guess that's what he did. That's what he used. Next point of accessibility, translating the video into other languages. Okay. Yeah. But like, I was just going to say, you know, because we have really, I, I, sometimes it's stories like this that remind me of how lucky we are here, right? Because we have so many things now that we still have a long way to go that are made more accessible, you know, descriptive mm-hmm. video and such things like that. So, yeah. That's cool that he did post a video though. How many stickers did they go through? Billy, do we know? Um, I, well, he had a hundred more to go, so he's got most of them. I don't know how many stickers, but um, it would be like all the players <clears throat> and all the countries involved in, I guess, the, the different flags and things like this. Yeah. Well, considering it's like what uh, players, all these different teams, everyone who's made it to the championships or not, right? Um, probably hundreds of stickers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm loving this. It's a very feel-good story, and um, he's getting a lot of clout, so shout out. Shout out to this guy. Beloved cat evicted from Vancouver grocery store sparks um, social media petitions. So this is kind of interesting. Uh-oh. Mickey, yeah, Mickey's a white and uh, and black cat. And of course, the rules when it comes to the Department of Health are also black and white. So you can't, basically what happened was 
Yeah, I like the way the article. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, He actually, the owners of this grocery store bought the cat to control the rodents. And of course, he's old and he doesn't bother anybody. He just lies there in the store. And somebody, of course, complained to the Department of Health. And no, 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 you can't have a you can't have a cat in here. It's against the rules. Well, the the owner of the store um, basically took the cat home because it couldn't stay. And it's raised a lot. A lot of people that came into the store are very angry about the fact that the cat that the cat who is perfectly harmless and actually played a role in controlling the rodents and the mice can't stay. And the owner also made a very important point that the cat dropped, drew people into the store. And they honestly, they honestly believe that without the cat, the store might not even be there because of the, you know, because of the pandemic. And they have, there are people that have raised a petition, uh, started the thing on social media. And the hope is that the rules can be reversed in this one situation, I kind of doubt it, but you never know. Mm. You know, Margaret, what do you think? Grocery store cat? You know what? You know what? If the cat isn't bothering every, anybody and you know, if that many customers want him in there, um, why not? And here's another point, I guess, too, you know, we, I know that there are parents who have, um, kids that require a lot of extra attention and we have these relaxing Mm -hmm. rooms and spaces, you know, in other areas, why not the grocery store? You know, okay. If it means you have to keep the cat in a specific, you know, part of the store, like that's fine. And then, you know, but no, I don't see any problem with keeping the cat there. I don't either. Now, Billy. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say it was um, a therapeutic cat too. So as you say, it was, you know, people that came in may have been a little stressed. The kids, so they saw the cat. It's sort of like the therapeutic dogs that you hear all about, right? Sure. Yeah, I'm a little bit on the fence about this one. I love the therapeutic cat as much as everybody else who's spoken. Um, and I have definitely gone to places where cats and dogs are just hanging out, you know, pet shops mostly. But, but <laughs> when it comes to any premises where there's food, food handling, produce, things lying around like that. I'm just not sure if if a petition that this cat is awesome and it's a community cat and we love it is enough to make the argument of him staying. I know, you know, it's not it's not the the nicest uh opinion, but I I really do think that it's harder. Like with restaurants and grocery stores and other premises where there's like I said any kind of food and food handling, um we get the exceptions for guide dogs and service animals and yeah, things like do. that right, That's right. but can That's right. you really just bring your cat to let it chill regardless of the temperament we know that there's lovely animals out there who are so social and wonderful to interact with and it's always fun right like it's fun going into a grocery store knowing um mickey's gonna be there but i don't i don't know there's also safety safety right. of what we consume yeah I guess so. Tough though. Tough. Tough for yeah. the community. Yeah. And and glad that the cat is still being housed. That's really nice. Hmm. Yep. This 
is a story about how a man in British Columbia who is vision impaired is still coaching um, a basketball team. It's it's basically in 2021 he has lost his sight. <clears throat> the doctors gave him three weeks. So with all the depression and all the the heartache that he went through, he is able to coach, and I don't know how he does it, but the article says that he does it with by instinct and he does it by sound. So he's coaching the, the Manaimo Thunderbirds, who is a women's soccer team. And I, the message that he is sending is he wants them to remember that never to give up. And I think that's that's kind of, you know, I mean, it's it's like – uh, he says that the, his girls are his daughters and mm. they treat him with a lot of respect because of what he's done and they, they know what he's went through. It's nice because in this article, it points out that he said he wants them to see him at his worst yeah, and see that he's not yeah. given up. And showing right. a piece of that resilience, right, it, it is a firsthand example straight from your coach is is very, very powerful. Margaret, do you have any thoughts on that? Like just being able to come back into it, first of all, and then say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable with these kids. I, you know what? I, I think, number one, um, not only is it good, you, you know, to be able to get back in something, but I also think, <clears throat> excuse me, it takes a lot of courage and yeah. kudos to him. Yeah. yeah. Most yeah. definitely, Billy. I also think it's fascinating that he's uh, coaching, you know, able-bodied basketball uh and saying he's relying on his intuition and sense of hearing for it now that's pretty yeah, I don't, skill that, building really interesting how he can do that yeah yeah well good on him bill shackleton is a usual suspect on our show kelly and company you can catch billy sneaking around the studio on wednesday thursday and friday at 3 p.m eastern on ami audio and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more of the buzz. All right, see ya.